All Talks of Life with Chris Viniquest. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All Talks of Life with Chris Viniquest. Episode number three is underway. Today, I'll be talking about Amy Coney Barrett, President Trump's newest nominee for the Supreme Court of the United States. I'll also be talking later on with Pastor Ed Guadalupe on the topic of healing. But I want to begin with the big with the big news in politics over the last week, talking about RBG. That's right, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was born on March 15, 1933. She was the age of 87 when she passed away on September 18th, that Friday night. But her legacy is for being on the Supreme Court of the United States. When she started on August 10th, 1993, she was nominated by, by then-President Bill Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, Ruth Bader Ginsburg oversaw many, many court cases, gave a lot of opinions, most of which I tend to disagree with because most of them were siding with the liberals. Most of them were siding with things that I do not believe, things that I cannot agree with. But the thing that mostly gets to me is her stance, her staunch stance on abortion. And why does this have to do with the Bible and God and Christians? Very simple, ladies and gentlemen. Abortion is murder. I'll say it again. Abortion is murder. The Bible says thou shalt not murder. And we all know that life begins in the womb at the time of conception. It's not at 16 weeks. It's not at five months. It's not at nine months. It's not once the baby's out of the birth canal. It is once there is conception. That's when life begins. And nowadays, you got so many left-wing politicians just saying, no, life begins when you're out of the womb. Or some even say you can commit infanticide when the child comes out of the womb. You can sit there and talk to the parents and we will discuss on whether to continue to allow the child to live. That, ladies and gentlemen, is infanticide. That is murder. And that is something that God is staunchly against. You know why? Because we are not to play the role of God. God decides when he brings us on this earth and God decides when he takes us out of this earth. God is our maker. God is our creator. The father of Jesus Christ, Jehovah God, that is the creator of this whole world. He is the one that decides when we live and when we die. But the reason why I want to talk about RBG is not to go through her long history and some of the opinions, very few that I agree with and vast that I don't. That's not the reason why I want to talk about RBG. I want to talk about RBG because I saw a lot of posts on Facebook, some posts on Twitter and some posts on Instagram from Christians saying, oh my God, RBG, she's gone. She was holding up the democracy. 
and we loved her and she was so great. And I'm saying to myself, what was so great about Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I'll give her this. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the first Jewish woman to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the second woman to serve after Sandra Day O'Connor, who was the first. I'll also give her this. She lasted a very long time sitting on the bench. This was her life. She loved her job. She loved to be a justice. Obviously, death is the one that retired her. She didn't retire herself. Death retired her. She loved her job. I give her that. She was a judge for a very long time. She entered into the United States Court of Appeals for D.C. on June 30th, 1980, until she got appointed to the Supreme Court. So Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as a judge, as a justice, she was doing her job for decades upon decades. She loved to be a judge. She loved to be a justice. I give her that. But my problem is that I saw a lot of Christians on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, out here praising Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I'm saying to myself, don't you guys understand? Don't you guys see what it is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg represents or represented, especially at the end of her life? Are you guys not seeing and understanding what it is that she stood for? The biggest thing that she stood for? Now, there was a lot of decisions that she made. There was a lot of rulings that she that she um, came down with. But the biggest thing that we're talking about right now. The biggest thing that's coming out of her death and Amy Coney Barrett's appointment, appointment or future appointment, I should say, is the fact that Roe v. Wade is threatened. Yeah, they want to talk about, oh, she's a threat to uh, the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare. Listen, I don't believe that for one second. Obamacare is unconstitutional. Obamacare has so many holes in it. It was written terribly. You didn't get to keep your doctor. Premiums didn't go down. They shot up. They spiked. That's not what this is about. This is about Roe versus Wade. This is about activist judges, activist justices, activist leftists. That they want to continue to force their way of life upon us as, con as Christians and as conservatives. And that is not how the United States works. We have the freedom of religion, the freedom of choice, not for somebody to come and force their beliefs on, their beliefs on us. I can preach to you about Jesus Christ, but I cannot force you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. All right. So the Bible tells us not to murder, but RBG believed in murder. While she may not have murdered people with her own bare hands, but she came down on, on the side of what they call now pro-choice. They want to make pro-choice a nice cover statement instead of saying abortion. They're saying pro-choice. We're giving choices 
to the women. We're empowering women. But in fact, ladies and gentlemen, what they're doing is not empowering women. What they are doing is actually hurting women. Did you know that over 2,000 abortions, murders, occur every day in the United States of America? Over 2,000. Did you know that the rate of suicide goes up after a woman has an abortion? Did you know that every 90 seconds an abortion is done by Planned Parenthood? That to me, ladies and gentlemen, and that I believe to God is mass murder. And that right there, that is something that I cannot fathom as a Christian to say, I'm going to praise this person. I'm going to say, oh my God, this person was such an icon. Now, to the liberals, she was an icon. To me, as a Christian, as a conservative, she was not. Now, the things that she did correct, I'll say she did correct. She did say when Roe v. Wade came down as a decision that it should not have been up to the to justices, to nine justices on the Supreme Court, that that should not have been decided by the Supreme Court. Not that she was not that she was anti-abortion because she was pro-abortion, but she just thought that the nine justices should not have been the ones to decide that. So in that term, I give her her credit. There were things that she decided. There were opinions that she gave that were good. There were opinions that she gave that even the leftists and even the liberals and the Democrats were like, yeah, we kind of don't agree with that. They weren't too many. They were very, very few far in between, but they happened. So to the Christians out there that are out here posting and saying, RBG, what an icon, what a woman, what a life, what an example. No, she is not an example. What she is, what she is an example of is destruction. What she is an example of is things that follow after murder. What she is an example of is leftism. When she started, she wasn't as liberal as she was at the, end of her, at the end of her life. Now, obviously, she was always liberal, but we've seen more and more throughout the decades that liberals and Democrats have been going farther and farther left. You see it now. The Democrats, these Democrats, are not the Democrats of your grandfather, are not the Democrats of your great-grandfather. These are not the Democrats from the 1950s and the 1940s and the 30s and the 20s. These are not the same kind of people. These are extreme leftists. These are after the church of God. These are for shutting down the voice of God. And that is a big concern. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a liberal. I'm a Christian first and then I'm a conservative. You want to label me as a Republican? I'm registered as that. So that's cool. But first and foremost, I am a Christian. And I do not stand with murder. I do not stand with abortion. I just wanted to get that off my chest. 
Christians, know who you're talking about, that you're praising, and that you're saying, what an icon, and what a great life, before you speak up. Know what it is that you're posting, know what it is that you're saying, before you put it out there. Because you have no idea some of the rulings that this woman has come down. I'm not here to bring down the whole list of the rulings that I disagree with. They're, they're too long. And I'm not here to bring down the whole list of the rulings that I do agree with. They're not that long, but I ain't here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the big issue of the day. And that's abortion. And that's what they want. They want to continue to kill babies that don't have a voice. Since the decision of Roe v. Wade came down, 60 million children have been aborted. So right now we are a nation of 330 million or 350 million, depends on who you wanna believe. But had this not happened, we would have been a nation of over 400 million people right now, and maybe even more. We would have been greater, we would have been bigger, we would have been more prosperous, because you don't know out of those 60 million who it is. You have no idea, I have no idea who was terminated. Presidents, engineers, doctors, great preachers, and lawyers. We have no idea of the people whose life was taken early because of the decision that came down and because of the decision that continued to go on and go on and the people that are called liberal icons. So what happens? What happens when you say I am pro-choice, pro-abortion? You're trying to say that we as human beings have a greater decision than what God does. We are taking God out of the equation as creator and finisher of our lives. And we're saying we decide when life comes to end. And now we are making ourselves greater than God. And that is staunchly, staunchly, Reproach by the Lord in the word. All right. I want to get to Amy Coney Barrett, ACB. She was born on January 28, 1972. She's a lawyer. She's a judge. And now she's an appointee. She's a nominee of President Donald Trump. She served. She is serving currently on the Seventh Circuit of Appeals. She was serving there since October 31st of 2017, and now she has been nominated by Donald Trump to be the next Supreme Court Justice of the United States of America. Ladies and gentlemen, Amy Coney Barrett is a wife of 21 years. She has seven children. Five are biological, two, two of those children are adopted from Haiti. And whatever you're going to hear nowadays about Amy Coney Barrett, it's going to be so different from people on the right and people on the left. 
People on the right are going to tell you how great she is, how nice she is, how qualified she is. And people on the left are going to tell you how much of a racist she is. And maybe she kidnapped her children. Oh, it's been talked about already. People have already tweeted about the fact that maybe it needs to be looked into and investigated that Amy Coney Barrett probably did not get those children legally. Ladies and gentlemen, come on now. She is, she is a judge, a lawyer, a woman who has made, I'm pretty sure, a pretty penny in the United States. And you're going to sit here and tell me that her knowing the law, she's going to go over, that she's going to go to Haiti or anywhere else in the world and say, I'm going to take these children from this mother. I'm going to, I'm going to kidnap these children along with my husband, knowing the trouble that I could bring upon her and her family and her life. No way. But people have tweeted it. People have posted it on Facebook. They've said things like this already against her. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking forward to the day that Amy Coney Barrett gets, not only she got nominated, but the day that she gets appointed by the Senate to the Supreme Court of the United States. I'm looking forward to President Trump having a third Supreme Court justice on the bench. Why do I say that? I say that because he is picking a, a woman who is a constitutionalist, an originalist, a woman who looks at the constitution the way that it was written by our founding fathers, a constitution that has great wisdom in it and a constitution that does not mention anywhere about abortion. Amy Coney Barrett is a woman who was on the council team of her pastor. Her pastor was on Fox and Friends on Saturday, September 19th. And he was speaking about Amy Coney Barrett and how when he got to the church, she was one of the people there allocating ministries. She was one of the people there counseling him and helping him in the counseling board, in the pastoral counseling board. Amy Coney Barrett is a woman who is active in her church. She is a Catholic, but yet Amy Coney Barrett is a woman. ACB is a woman who is active in her faith. Senator Dianne Feinstein. This is what really got me to look at ACB. Dianne Feinstein said, when, Amy, when ACB was being appointed to the Court of Appeals, she said, by the way that you speak, the dogma lives loudly in you, and that is of concern. What does that tell me? What should that tell you? That should tell you that the liberals, that the leftists, that the people who are anti-God are looking at this woman as a threat to their beliefs and their ways and their and their judgments. So if they are looking at it as a threat, that is a good thing for the people of God. That is a good thing for Christians. And I believe that the Supreme Court of the United States will be a big help onto the Christians going forward because Donald Trump was appointed as the president and Donald Trump already has three 
two two confirmed and one nominee now we don't know if donald trump gets reelected it's another four years he might get another appointee that is a huge shift if he might get a quarter or a little bit of more than a quarter of the justices we're not sure i'm pretty sure that another liberal is not going to want to retire under Donald Trump. But here's the thing, though. Amy Coney Barrett. It's hard to say. Well, she raped somebody. Because she's a woman. So they're going to come up with something else. And the thing is that. In the Constitution, it says that you cannot test somebody to take a public office off of their religion. So this is, but this is what they done. This is what has been said about her. But wait, Joe Biden is a Catholic. Speaker Pelosi is a Catholic. But now Amy Coney Barrett is unfit to be a justice because she's a Catholic. Here's the difference. She is a Catholic who practices her faith, unlike Joe Biden, from what I can see, and unlike Nancy Pelosi, from what I can see. Now, in their quiet time, that's between them and God. They know the convictions that they have. They know the relationship they have with the Lord, if they have any. But we see in public, ACB is a mother who is very caring. A person who said, I will adopt two children from Haiti. A woman who has given great opinions. A woman who was a clerk of the late great conservative judge, Justice Antonin Scalia. I love this pick by President Trump. I love it because I've been doing a little homework on her. And I like what I see. And I like the opinions that she has given. I also like it. And what really got my attention was Dianne Feinstein. What really got my attention is the way that liberals came at her as soon as Donald Trump put out his list. They were already saying, oh, no, 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 not her, not her, not her. Because they know that Catholics are very, very staunchly against abortion against murder. That is something that they do not put up with. So ladies and gentlemen, I really believe, I really believe that the Supreme Court of the United States, if the Senate confirms ACB, will really, really be a help and a blessing to people like Jack Phillips, People like Rob McCoy, go look him up. People like Rodney Howard Brown, go look him up. Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, Pastor Rob McCoy. A lot of churches that they want to close down, that they want to shut down. I believe that the Supreme Court of the United States, if all these cases get there, will be a help to people like Pastor John MacArthur. If President Donald Trump gets his way and has ACB confirmed by the Senate. Now the Senate 
should get this through. It's 53 to 47 right now. But obviously there's a couple flakes in the Republican Party. There's a couple rhinos, Republican in name only. So we'll see what happens. Sometime in October, most likely, is when this is going to go down. Mid to late October, we should get this news coming down. Of the official confirmation, there's a couple of things that the Democrats can do. There's a couple of tricks that they have up their sleeve, but Republicans, conservatives have the Senate. That's why it's important to go out and vote for your senators because the Senate, they are the one in the constitution that states they are the ones who confirm the Supreme Court justices. The president appoints them, but the Senate, I mean, the president nominates them, but the Senate is the one who confirms them. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's my take on RBG. That's my take on ACB. President Donald Trump, I believe he's doing a great job. I believe he's looked out for Israel the way that the Bible has told us to look out for Israel, to pray for Israel, to sow into Israel, to be a blessing unto Israel. I believe that. I've seen that with a lot of his decisions, with a lot of his actions. I'm a Christian. I believe in blessing Israel. I believe in sowing into the Jewish people. I believe that Jesus Christ, when he was here, 33 years old, when he died, was born a Jew. Those are the people that God chose first. And obviously we see a lot of attacks against them. But this president is the most pro-Israel president of all time. But not only that, he is the most pro-choice president he was the only president to ever speak at the march for life the only president to ever do it in over its 50 years of existence people have been marching for life pro-life and he's the only president to go and speak that resonates with me i don't know if it resonates with you it resonates with me what also resonates with me about President Trump is that I see a lot of ministers up there with him. This is the president that had the most hands of prayer lifted upon him in the history of the United of the presidency of the United States of America. A lot of pastors up there, black, white, Hispanic, all kinds, all kinds laying hands on him, praying for him, praying teams. That's the kind of president I'm looking for. He's not my savior, but he gets my vote. Jesus Christ is my savior. He's the one who gives me eternal life. Donald Trump gets my vote because Donald Trump is pro-Christian. He's pro-life. Donald Trump is pro-economy. And we saw how great the economy was doing before the coronavirus. We saw how great, how many people were getting jobs. Lowest black unemployment ever. Lowest Hispanic unemployment ever. Lowest Asian American unemployment ever. The lowest rates of all time in, in recorded U.S. history. That is all under Donald Trump. And people want to get back to work. People want to work.
People want to get their money. People want to feed their families. People want to buy their homes, their cars. People need their clothes. People need all these things. And the president that was getting results for the people was called Donald Trump. I thank God. I thank God that he spoke. I thank God that he warns. I thank God that he is loving, that he is good. I thank God that he is God. He knows who he appoints. The Bible tells us in Romans 13 that God is the one who appoints those in power, whether it be Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, George Bush, son and father, Abraham Lincoln, Ronald Reagan, doesn't matter who it is. God is the one who appoints them all. That's right. God allows those who I disagree with to be up on the court. Those who I disagree with to be in the Senate. God allows them to be there. God allows the ones that I do agree with to be in the courts and to be in the Senate, to be in Congress. God allows them all to be there because God is in control. God knows what he's doing. Ladies and gentlemen, when I come back, I'll be talking to Pastor Ed Guadalupe about healing. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be an amazing conversation with Pastor Ed Guadalupe. Why healing is for you, why healing is for today, and why is it that healing is more real than you can believe. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take a break, but when I come back, Pastor Ed Guadalupe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to All Talks of Life with Chris Beniquez. I am pleasantly happy to be joined by my next guest. So there's a couple of firsts here on All Talks of Life today. The first time that we talk politics on the show. And it's also the first time that we'll be talking healing on the show. I'm really excited to talk about healing because healing is something that has definitely been a part of my life, definitely been a part of the ministry that God has given me and that God has allowed me to partner in. So I want to welcome right now Pastor Ed, my co-pastor. You heard me talk about him last week on the show with Mike. Here he is, Pastor Ed. How you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. Glad to be here, man. Thank you for being here. I also forgot to say, outside of being my co-pastor, he is the host of River of Hope Healing Rooms podcast, which I love and I hear I hear on Anchor and I hear on Google Podcasts. You can get it wherever your favorite podcasts are available. So, Pastor Ed, can you just tell us a little bit about your podcast? Oh, yeah, man. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Ed Guadalupe, and um, I'm the... Uh, co-pastor to um, a Christian Tabernacle Church here in Brooklyn, New York. And um, I also have the River of Hope um, podcast where I talk about right now um, the main subject is healing, but, you know, we hope to extend to all parts of uh, uh, the, the Christian experience and uh, hoping that people receive hope for the future that comes only through Jesus Christ. So uh, that's the main focus of the whole podcast. But right now we're talking about uh, divine healing uh, because I think a lot of people have uh, a lot of misconceptions when it comes to divine healing. Uh, 
and questions, you know, so I hope to answer all of those, you know. Okay. So before we get into some questions about divine healing, um, I'm a part of a ministry in our church called the River of Hope Healing Rooms. Now, Pastor Ed and his wife, Annette Guadalupe, they are the co-directors of the healing of the healing room chapter here in Brooklyn, New York. So, Pastor Ed, can you just tell us, you know, a little bit about the ministry itself and give us a little backstory on why it is that you started this ministry? What is it that the Lord put in your heart and why? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, basically, uh, uh, many years ago, um, we started a Bible uh, training program uh, called Instay, which was Institute by Extension. Um, and it, it asked a very key question. It said, what do you feel your ministry is? So um, I, when I was uh, meditating and praying about it, I felt right away uh, divine healing, you know, he, praying for the sick, ministering to the sick, because many, many years ago, one of the first sermons I ever preached was based off of Mark 16, um, where it says, and these signs will follow them that believe. Uh, these uh, in, in Jesus' name, we would cast out devils, speak in new tongues, and, and we would also lay hands on the sick and they would recover. And for me as a young Christian, this kind of shocked me because I always thought the ministry of healing and things like of that nature of casting out devils and, you know, and miracles and things like that, that was it really exclusive to pastors and big time evangelists. But when I read it, it, it really shocked me to find that it said that these follow them believe. So it did not depend on a title or depend on someone giving you permission is basically if you believed, you know, so, um, so I carried that with me. And, uh, when I started, um, when I felt that, that call of, of the Lord to minister healing, um, I started looking online and I found the healing rooms and I found they had healing rooms in Long Island. I went over there. I met with the, the director of the healing rooms, which is, uh, Pastor Barbara Rispoli. And she was very welcoming. And she explained to me the ministry and she said, well, it just so happens that in three weeks, we're, we're going to a, a conference in Ohio. And if you'd like, you're more than welcome to come and stuff like that. And she said, there's a gentleman in my church. He's going to drive out there by himself. But he's an older gentleman. And, you know, and he has a little concern about driving by himself. I'm sure he would like company. And I was like, hey, I'm down. I'll, I'll split the cost, you know, whatever. I went and it was just a transformative experience. And and I came back from that, uh, just to keep a long story short, uh, I came back from that experience and and I told my pastor, I was like, I, I feel the Lord wants us to open healing rooms. And and my pastor at the time, he was like, yep, let's do it. You know, whatever whatever you feel to do, I, we back you 100%. So we prayed about it. We didn't have healing rooms. We were actually visiting. We were renting a church that had very limited space. Um and we didn't have it. So I said, you know what? We don't have healing rooms, but let's start doing healing services. So that's when we started doing healing services. And, you know, we saw God move in a powerful way, you know. And um, and then from there, uh, the church ended up moving to a new location at that time. And when uh, the pastor took me to see the place for the first time, I saw that in the back of the church, they had offices and they had rooms. And when I walked into the room, the Holy Spirit just told me, he said, this is, this is the healing room. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. So that was like, you know, like, wow, you know, it's like God, God knows be, uh, everything before we do. Praise the Lord. Amen. And um, so then we, we established the healing rooms. I got the people trained up and I don't know how, how, how much, how deep you want me to go, but, uh, but yeah, but you know, basically we trained up people to administer healing in the healing rooms and, and we still do it today. You know, it's been, um, 
it's been about uh, 12 years, 12, 13 years that we've been doing it. Right. So I, I'm, I'm one of the trainees. I'm one of the, you know, those that have received uh, healing rooms training. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, a, a lot of a lot of word, a lot of impartation and things. Well, not a lot of impartation, but a lot of words, some impartation Amen. and things of that nature. So we definitely invite all those that wanna that wanna receive healing down to six one six Jamaica Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Um, Wednesday nights, beginning at eight p.m., we minister in the healing room. Amen. Uh, and speaking about the previous church that you spoke about, would I dare to say? Would I be correct if I were there to say that we saw hundreds of healings, maybe close to thousands in uh, our old building, in that little room you talked about? Because we prayed there for over 10 years, right? 12 yeah. years every Wednesday without missing a Wednesday, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So I would I would and... dare say I would dare say hundreds. Hundreds, okay. <laughs> not the thousands yet, but praise the Lord. But we definitely ministered to to many, many people, Amen. And um, and we saw many people get their miracle. Um, you know, the testimonies, you know, have been awesome. You know, yes, uh, so so many testimonies. For those of for those of you who don't know about the River of Hope Healing Rooms, you guys could look up. You guys could look it up online. But like I said, come by Wednesday nights, eight p.m. 616 Jamaica Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, uh, between Highland and Hale Avenue. So, Pastor Ed, I got a couple, I got a couple questions on healing. Absolutely. But I want to start off with a verse. And I want to start off, you know, with 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. This is the verse that the Healing Rooms team, we have on our T-shirts when we go out to minister uh, to others and that we wear inside of the Healing Rooms from time to time it says he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by his wounds you were healed all right so that that is our scriptural verse for today ladies and gentlemen but before i get into that verse pastor ed i just want to ask one simple question okay is healing for everybody uh yeah well uh if i if i um if i use the scripture as a reference i would have to say 100 percent yes just the way salvation is for everyone because actually um that verse that you just read is one of the reasons why we believe that because um it's the same way that we are offered salvation right salvation is offered to every human being on the planet right over seven billion people that inhabit the earth right now. And um, the sa salvation is for each and every individual. Now, is each and every individual going to receive salvation? No. But we know that it's offered. It's there. It was, the price was paid for it. You know, so then it, it rests in the individual, right, to come to Christ, right? That, and, the, and every individual on the planet has the same opportunity to receive Jesus. So that, and according to that scripture that you just read, Right. He bore our sickness. He bore our sins on the cross, you know, being made, being, uh, you know, taking our sin upon himself, you know. And then it says, by whose stripes we were healed by his wounds, we were healed. So, again, saying not only that sin was provided, uh, the, the solution to sin was provided on the cross, but also the solution to sickness, which is 
the stripes on Jesus' back that says, by his stripes, we were healed. Hmm. Amen. So with that thought, I want to read to the people Psalm 103 <laughs> and verse, uh, verse number two and three says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Now, Pastor Ed, with First Peter 2.24 and Psalm 103, I'm getting something here like if salvation and healing go hand in hand. Some people say, well, I believe the Lord saved me and I believe he, he saved me on the cross 2000 years ago. But I don't believe that he healed me because I still see the same condition. But the Bible, to me, if I'm interpreting correctly, sir, is telling me that not only did he save me, but in the same manner, he healed me. Am I am, am I seeing it right or Am I am I seeing it wrong here? Well, you know that's the thing. Um, I, I like to always say it takes a very deep theological, hermeneutically, hermeneutically correct mind to confuse the word of God. You know, because that's what it says. You know, we're not making this up. We're not trying to push our opinion on anybody. The problem, the reason people don't believe that, is because they don't see that. Right. So then if we operate according to what we see, then we are a lot of things, a lot of uh, a lot of things that are scriptural, we would have a problem with. But we're not supposed to allow what we see uh, in this present time to influence what the Bible says. Either either the Bible says it or it doesn't. What does the scripture say? Is it was it? Um, some kind of maybe the way it was phrased, um, you know, but that's why I, I, I love the word of God. You know, it said by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Right. So in first Peter, he says it that way. And then of uh, Psalms one or three, he says it another way. Right. And then also in Isaiah 53, he says it another way. So he's trying to let us know that this is what God promised to his people. God cares about man, spiritual his soul, and his body. Man is a triune being, you know, and if we were to ignore any of those parts, you know, we can we can be very dynamic in the spirit uh, as far as like, oh, you know, God forgives your sins, and yeah, you know, your, soul, your spirit is secure from not going to hell. Amen. You know, it's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Amen. And if God, if that's all God did for me, that would be enough, but it would be a very sad for God to do more than that for me, and I only take just a little bit. I only take the part that's easy for me to understand, or better said, is necessary, because I think that salvation is super necessary, which it is, of course. But healing is not that important, because if I die, well, you know, um, you know, things happen, and, you know, people get sick, and, you know, you can't. You can't suppose that everybody's going to be saved. Right. I cannot suppose that everybody's be saved either. You know, we can go on and on about the argument. But like like you have said, what does the scripture say? It, it's not confusing at all. It doesn't put any pretext. It doesn't put any but or maybe or or kind of question or kind of. No, it says it very plainly. So it, it really becomes a problem when we try to read the scripture through our, our own goggles that our, our goggles have what we see in the world. And we're, we're letting that influence what we believe the word of God to say. 
Instead of saying God's word is on a whole nother spiritual level and I'm not there and maybe I'm seeing this now so that I can reach up to God's level and not stay on this little level on the earth just going by what I see. Amen? Right. So, all right. So, a follow-up question here on these two verses. Okay. So, salvation and healing, are they on the same level? Well, on the same level of provision, absolutely. Okay. Um, they, they are on the same level of provision. So they should be on the same level in our faith, correct? Well, they should be. <laughs> and, you know, I don't, want, I don't want people to, you know, feel like we're, we're trying to push this to a point of like, oh, if you don't believe this, then you're, you're a heretic or anything like that, you know? I think that the Bible is um, it's a very powerful book. It's the word of God straight from the mouth of God to his people, put in letters so that we could read and we could understand things that are beyond our comprehension, you know, but definitely, the, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, the carnal mind cannot receive the things of the spirit, you know, because they're, 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 they're clouded to him. They can't understand it. So I do understand that some people are going to hear this and be like, that's impossible. That's no way. You know what? I'm going to shut this off. You guys are crazy, you know. No, read the scripture. What does the scripture say? Put up, put aside your opinion. What does the Bible say? Now, I'm I'm careful to say that you know we it's it's equally on the level of provision, absolutely, because the Bible doesn't make any kind of difference. It makes no difference. It makes no it makes no special uh, emphasis on salvation, but not healing. Jesus himself, his ministry was uh, one of. That, that that really took off when he started healing the sick. He had preached, he had been preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He had been preaching and nobody had a problem. As soon as he started healing the sick, then the Jews started having a problem. As soon as he healed somebody on, on a Sabbath day, then they really had a problem. They were like, how dare you heal this man? You know, why? Because a healing is, is so powerful. It's like a tangible uh, um, evidence to people that God is real, you know, and yes, I know salvation is real and, and I, you know, I could go on and on. I don't, I don't want to overextend myself, but, but praise the Lord. You know, I'm very, <laughs> no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm very passionate um, about that, you know? So I heard something that really excited me. You, you just touched on it just a little, little bit, but, I heard something that really excited me on your podcast, and it was in the episode, I believe, Healing in the New Testament, Part 1. So you said a phrase that just caught my eye, and I was like, whoa, I've been ministering healing for, I don't know, nine, ten years alongside you and, and the healing team. And it never, this never hit me until I heard you say it. And you said that the devil is scared of healing. And that just blew my mind. And I was like, you know what? I got to get Pastor Edhan to talk about this because I never saw it that yeah. way. The devil himself is scared of healing. Yeah. So you talked about that Jesus, he preached, he said, that, uh, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everybody left him mm -hmm. alone. All of a sudden he starts healing and then, then they start coming and then they start saying, well, hold on, wait, what's going on here? We got to get this guy out of the way. But Pastor, in Acts chapter 2, all of a sudden, the apostles are preaching the word. Yes. The tongues that just had, had a fire had just manifested on people. The Holy Spirit had just indwelled in man for the first time, you know, upon all flesh, as Joel 22, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29 prophesied about. 
And all of a sudden, they don't say anything. You don't hear nothing from the Jews in the second, in the second chapter. 3,000 people get saved. People are speaking in tongues. People are getting indwelled by the Holy Spirit. But then chapter 3, all of a sudden now, they're preaching healing. And in chapter 4, they're saying, oh, by what authority do you have these things? So we don't see the Jews in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 bugging anyone. Right. But all of a sudden, when they start telling a man at the, at the beautiful gate, get up and rise in the name of Jesus, a man who had never walked in his life, a man who people carried him to the gate, to the front of the church, where he saw people who said, okay, I'll bless you. And some walked by him. But all of a sudden, they asked him. They said to the apostles, who gives you this authority? And they said, well, we didn't. Uh, who gives you the authority to do these things? And they said, well, we didn't do these things. This was by the name of Jesus Christ we did this stuff. Right. And then that's when all hell breaks. <laughs> yeah. That's when they start going off. So talk to us about go you know go off a little bit about why is the devil scared of healing? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the 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 same reason um the devil is terrified of uh people speaking in tongues and and God using uh people in spiritual gifts and things like that and I could go on and on. He's terrified of a lot of things. Um but uh but he's terrified of the authority of the believer. And that's what um Luke 10:19 said Jesus said behold I give you authority over uh, over the enemy and over all the power of the enemy and you shall trample serpents and scorpions and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know, as soon as you, he preached that to the, the disciples, they, I mean, the apostles, they went out and they did my, many mighty miracles, you know, and, and as soon as Jesus started healing the sick, it, he, he never received such opposition. The apostles, as soon as they started healing the sick, they started getting a lot of opposition. You know, and, um, you know, and I could go on and on and definitely in the with uh, present day healing ministries. I mean, we know that um, Benny Hinn is a very well-known healing evangelist. You know, the attack on his life has been uh, like off the charts. I mean, yeah, as much stuff you could positive things you could read online about him is as many negative things you could read about him online. Um, one time there's a, a minister that that God used him in healing. He came from Korea. He was a Korean. He came here and in, in uh, to Madison Square Garden. And when we went to go to go to the service outside, there was a bunch of people picketing, <laughs> saying, "Don't listen to this man. Don't listen to this man," and all of these things. And we go in there, and he starts praying, and the power of God starts moving, and and people coming out of wheelchairs. You know, it's like. The enemy knows that when he, and he even tries to confuse the own church to fight itself with like uh, like one preacher said with friendly fire. You know, sometimes Christians turn on themselves because they're saying, oh, you're not supposed to do that or or your your message is not right or, you know, and and why? Why does the enemy fight healing so badly? Because it's something mm -hmm. tangible. God is a is. Uh, God, Jesus, it, and the Holy Spirit, these are not persons that you can feel, you can touch, that I can't point to you and say, look, here he is, you know? I can't invite you to my church and say, look at Jesus, here he is, and you're going to see him stretch his arms out to you and touch you and hug you and love on you. You know, you won't, you will never see that. I'm sorry, you know, because this is by faith. But when you walk in the church and you say, God, you know, I need you. I, I need your, your touch in my life. And, and God touches you. Then you know he's real. 
you know, but and, and when you're sick, you come and you're 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 you have a part of your body is not working or something and the power of God hits you. I mean, you cannot deny that there is a Christ. <laughs> you cannot deny that God is alive and real. So that's why the enemy fights, you know, the healing ministry so much. You know, and, and one thing that I didn't mention, you know, it's easy to, to talk about the hundreds and hundreds of testimonies we've gotten, you know, of people that have received healing, you know, but uh, we've also received a, a lot of attack and not not necessarily, you know, from our church. Thank the Lord. You know, everybody's always been very supportive, but, you know, from other people and other ministries and and not even so much that. But personally, I've seen people that have volunteered to work in the healing rooms. And they would start working and tragedy would hit their life and things would go awfully wrong. You know, it's like the, uh, it's like a demonic attack would hit certain people's lives, you know, and, and very, very uh, powerfully, you know. So, you know, I, I know I, as the director of the healing rooms, you know, I've had to, you know, uh, try to help people and understand, help people understand that when you start ministering to the sick, there's no way you're going to fight an enemy that's real. And he's not going to retaliate. There's no such thing. You cannot go right now to Cuba and try to knock down the door and change the government and nobody's going to fight you. No, they got an army ready to take you out. They're going to fight tooth and nail. And that is the way the enemy is. He fights the church. He fights healing tooth and nail because he knows that if we can, if we can really operate in the healing ministry, you know, and go out and, and preach out in the street and, and start laying hands on people and people getting healed on the spot, you know, that his kingdom is going to fall. His king, he's going to have no chance because when that happens, someone cannot say, oh, well, I, I heard this message, but you know what? I heard another religion, so I went with that religion. No, no, no. You saw that God heal you. You know that that's real. And that's what the enemy fights. He really fights because it's like tangible evidence you know, something palpable, you know, that you can really say, wow, you know, I know that God is a God of miracles. I know that God is real. It's not just a, a fairy tale. It's not just something that some people talk about, you know? So basically, I guess in a nutshell, what you're saying is that once healing is implemented, once healing is manifested, it's easier for people to believe. Yeah. Plain and simple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that so definitely it aids, that's, it aids why, in people's that's, faith. that's one of the reasons why the enemy Yeah, it, it definitely helps people's faith because uh you know we see that in, in Philip the Evangelist in Acts chapter eight, you know, um like a lot of people uh say, you know, the the apostles did many, many mighty miracles, you know, and but Philip the Evangelist, you know, he wasn't even one of the apostles, he was an evangelist and he went to Samaria, he started preaching and healing the sick, and people started getting getting converted why because they could see and that chapter makes it very clear it says very clearly that they could see the many mighty miracles that were done and and he didn't just go in there with a good message because people think that the time of jesus is very different than now it actually is not because there were, he, uh, jesus came along in the time of the roman empire Okay, and we know the Roman Empire was very debaucherous. They had, they were very sinful, and they had a lot of uh, a lot of different philosophies about life, a lot of different philosophies as far as religion and ideas about God. So you know, we have that today on a whole nother level. You know, and maybe they didn't have the internet back then, but they 
they had those conflicting arguments. And one of the most clear cut things that you can see to answer that argument is healing. Because you lay hands on someone and you, uh, matter of fact, I'll give you one better. Uh, the One of the most awesome testimonies I heard was from a, a evangelist from back in the day named R.W. Shambach. You should definitely look him up. He's an awesome, awesome preacher from back in the day. He passed away a few years ago, you know, and uh, he, I, I saw him live many times, a great, very charismatic evangelist and powerful man of God. And uh, he said one time he did a, a crusade out in India, right? So, um, so in India, you know, and that was, and he was preaching and people were like, kind of like looking at him and they were not really reacting to his preaching. He had a, he had an interpreter, of course. And, um, so he saw like he wasn't getting the reaction that he wanted. So he, so he just felt from the Lord to stop. And he saw um, a, a man that was uh, on crutches and he asked the man to come forward. And the man came forward and he said, and he told the crowd, look, I'm going to lay hands on this man in the name of Mohammed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and we'll see what, what happens. Okay. And Shambach, he said, in the name of Mohammed, I command you to be healed. And he laid hands on him and nothing happened. Right. And he was like, okay, nothing happened. He's like, all right. So now I'm going to lay hands on him in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. And he said, all right, here we go. I said, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to be healed. He laid hands on him and the power of God hit that man. He threw his crutches down and he started running back and forth and the crowd went crazy. They started screaming and yelling and, and chanting very loudly and they were chanting something and, and Shambach didn't understand what they were saying and he asked the interpreter, what are they saying? What are they saying? They were saying, Jesus is the real God. Jesus is the real God. <laughs> you know, in India, in, in Hindu, they were saying, you know, because the, the, the reaction, because you know, once, once the world sees this is the real God. This is the real God. You know, there's a lot of gods out there. There's a lot of philosophies. And I even see some people that came to try Christianity, quote unquote. And now they're like, well, I believe in love. I believe in in in, in uh, the God of the universe and blah, blah, blah. You know, and you know, no, 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 no. This is that Jesus is alive and well. Jesus rose from the grave. Amen. And he's alive and well today. And he's coming again for his church, you know. And, and the world needs to know this. And how else are they going to know unless they see something palpable, you know, something real, amen? And, and that's what healing does, you know? Amen, amen. That's, that's an awesome, powerful testimony that I had never heard. But that is amazing. That really stirs my faith to just, oh, my God, just want to continue to study and, and, and just minister amen. healing. Um, another question for you here. Uh, I know that this is a question that a lot of people have very, very often. Are healings and miracles the same thing? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, is um, well, I guess I get, the best way I can answer that is that um, every healing is a miracle, but not every miracle is a healing. You know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, definitely. Um, the well, the difference is now um, in the Bible it talks about. Um, in First Corinthians 12, that there's a gift, gifts, actually, multiple gifts of healing and the gift of the working of miracles that's given by the Holy Spirit. And some people think they start to categorize healings and say, oh, well, you know, if you were healed of an ailment, um, 
Oh, hold on a second. Give me a second. Uh, you you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. Wanna, uh, yeah. Okay. Um. All right. So let me let me let me let me backtrack. So people want to say, oh, you know, healings. If is it a miracle? Yeah, every healing is a miracle, but not every miracle is a healing. So the gift of healing is for physical healing. Miracles, in my opinion, my in my I M H O right. In my humble opinion, <laughs> is yeah. is something supernatural that God does. You know, that is not a healing. You know, and that's just my opinion. You know, because every miracle, every healing is a miracle. You know, now some people say, uh. As far as, you know, someone coming out of a wheelchair or someone being resurrected from the dead, there's, there's been several testimonies of people throughout history that God has brought back from the dead. You know, um, uh, some people that, that uh, you know, received what they call creative miracles where someone was missing a finger and God gave them a new finger. Um, back in the 70s where Gigi Avila, you know, they, they, they would, some people that had teeth pulled out, you know, when they would get prayed for, they would get brand new teeth, you know, <laughs> you know, so those are creative miracles and, and, but those are still technically healing, you know? So in my opinion, I mean, all of these miracles, all of these healings are spectacular in my sight, you know, they're, they're awesome, you know, and they, you know, it's, it just shows how awesome God is. But to me, a, a miracle is like, you know, financial provision, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, God moving and, you know, rebuking a storm where Jesus walked on water, where Jesus rebuked the storm that was coming, you know, uh, you know, things like that. Those are to me, those those are more the area of working of miracles. Um, but that's just that's just mm. my, uh, you know, my opinion. But definitely every healing is a miracle, but not all miracles are just healing. You know that God does other kind of miracles. Amen. Amen. Um, I know that there's definitely a lot of I got about probably two or three more questions no almost here. I know that there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to healing. Obviously, we have prayed for hundreds, you know, if not thousands of people, um, you know, throughout the years. Um, and there's some misconceptions and some people will come to the mm -hmm. word of God. So. I know that we have to look at some things contextually and we have to find out what certain words mean and things like that. We're not going to get exegetical here too much, obviously, but let me just read something to you and just try to get your feedback okay. here. Okay. James 5.13 says, is any among you afflicted? Let the afflicted one pray. And we, then we go to Hebrews 12 and it says, that verse, uh, verses six through eight says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every child whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with children. For what child is there whom the parent chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all partakers, then you are bastards and not legitimate mm. children. Psalm 34, it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Okay. So, 1 Peter 5.10 also says, But the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Okay. I'm asking, with all those verses that I just read, there are some people that believe that these verses are talking about uh, sickness, and that we have to suffer sickness 
in order to attain some kind of holiness. Or that if we suffer through these things that are spoken of here, that somehow, you know, our crown of righteousness, you know, that's how we gain it. Or it, 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 it makes it even more uh, great or, or, or bigger. So with the misconceptions that there are about healing, is suffering, the suffering that Jesus spoke about and the suffering that the apostles spoke about, do any of these texts relate to sickness, that we have to suffer sickness for the cause of Christ? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. So I think it's very, uh, very the, the best way I could answer it is um, that's like um, me having a, a flat tire repair shop and then I want, I want you to get a flat tire so you could see that I could fix it, you know? <laughs> no, I don't need, I don't need to do that. What I need is for someone that has that legitimate need that doesn't know about me to get the flat tire so that when they see my flat fix shop, they'll be like, oh, I can come to him. He'll take care of it. And then they know they could rely on the repair, you know, I don't really, I, you know, it, it's funny because it's also like that. There was a movie once that showed a man selling uh, uh, house alarms to people, right? And he was saying, "Oh, you know, some people in this neighborhood they don't want to buy house alarms, so so he disguised himself as a burglar and started breaking into people's house, so so that the next morning that people will call him, oh, my house is broken into. You're right, I need to, I need a, a, an alarm in my house. You know, God doesn't work like that." You know, I mean, any any normal person would she would see that as a shyster move, right? That oh, let me oh, let me let me let me uh, I have my house. Oh, let me break that somebody break into it so that the company could could profit from me. No, 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 no. That does it doesn't work like that. That's backwards thinking. To me, suffering we suffer uh, the the scorn of the world. The Bible says Jesus said they spoke badly about me. They were going to speak badly about you. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. That's the suffering that Jesus said we were going to endure. And he said it's going to be a hard cup, right? He told he told John and James, he said, oh, you want to sit at my side? And and are you willing to drink of the cup I drink? They were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. And he said, okay, no, don't worry about it. You are going to drink from that cup, but it's not mine to give. But the suffering that we, we there's definitely in the Bible, the Bible talks about, I, I definitely do not agree with this um, idea that, being a Christian means that nothing's going to happen to you. And, you know, you're going to walk on these clouds of, of victory above everything and nothing is going to hit you. No, no, no. The, the Bible gives you the provision. He provides the answer for the problems that real of uh, real world situations, you know. So if I have a financial struggle, and but I'm a faithful tither, I can see God move by uh, providing for me supernaturally, you know through an unexpected source, you know, I can believe God for that because that's what the Bible teaches. I can believe God that if, if I, I get a sickness or, or whatever, I believe God and that God would heal me. You know, um, some people think that, oh, well, why, well, then why is it that with the COVID-19 coronavirus, you know, we could talk about that right now. You know, the coronavirus hit our own church. There was like 20 people that were infected with the coronavirus, you know, but everybody survived. Minus one, uh, one older gentleman that was already, you know, uh, uh, an elderly gentleman that had heart issues and had heart problems. And, you know, he was already advanced in age, you know, 
you know, some people, some people uh, try to pray and say, oh, I prayed for God to not take my grandmother, but she was 85 years old, man. It was time for her to go, man. <laughs> you know, you know, so, but, uh, you know, some people, you know, they, they think that all the, um, they, they, they start to lose balance, right? So the thing about the, the awesome thing about the Bible is it always keeps us balanced. Jesus said, I overcome the world. You know, he said in um, a perfect example, John 16, 33, he said, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you would have confidence. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, you know? And he said, again, overcome the world. He didn't say, don't worry, you, God's going to make you sick to teach you something. That's nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible to say anything about God putting a sickness on someone to, to teach them something. Now, people, do people get sick? Yes, people get sick. And that's a whole nother topic that, you know, like I said, we could go down that rabbit hole. But one of the sicknesses, the, the three main sicknesses of our time is cancer, uh, heart disease and diabetes. OK, those three those three sicknesses are the most predominant illnesses that people die from. But those is the funny thing is that uh, though all three of those diseases they have scientifically already proven that it's related to our diet. It's related to how we eat. Mm. So, and and this goes back to, <laughs> like I said, I don't want to go too deep down there, but I'm just going to let you, very very simple, is the Bible is very clear. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if we sow bad food into our body, we cannot expect our body to perform like an athletic, you know, su uh, superstar or, or an athlete, you know, uh, but we're putting junk inside. It just cannot happen, you know. So then we're seeing that diabetes is is happening to more and more people, and at younger and younger ages, uh, what they call type two diabetes, because not type one. Type one diabetes has pretty much stood the same, but type two is something called adult onset. In other words, it's brought upon you by your own diet. So then we want to bring certain things upon ourselves because we're not careful about what we do, but then we want to blame God. We want to say, oh, it's because God allowed this. And you see, oh, but if God allowed it, then why am I going to pray? Oh, maybe God's causing me to suffer. No, 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 because we want to break from what the Bible teaches. And we want, again, we want to make, we want to bring it suitable to what we can understand. Or we want to try to understand certain things a certain way without seeing the bigger picture, you know? So, do I mean, right. like I said, that that topic could go on and on, but but I mean, just to reiterate, as far as the suffering goes, no suffering. There's nowhere in the Bible. Matter of fact, even there was a specific place where Elisha, the prophet, back in Second Kings. Okay, the Bible was very specific to say he became ill with the sickness that he was going to die from. You know, so there. Mm. That's the only scripture in the whole entire Bible. I mean, if you can find one, please let me know. I've been, <laughs> again, this is something I've been studying for 30 years. I mean, you know, this is the only case in the entire Bible. Okay, so you cannot make a doctrine out of one case. Okay, because uh, obviously Elisha was super anointed because they threw a dead man on his bones and the, the dead man came back to life. You know, so, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't right. a through lack of anointing, you know, it was just became his time to go, but that's the only place, you know, I do not believe you have to, well, when you become 70 years old, that means you have to get arthritis. You have to have, um, high blood pressure. No, you don't. 
You don't. You know, and the Bible also has many scriptures referring to keeping us in perfect health. You know, so it's it's really how how we view things. And sometimes we, uh, you know, we we want to try to rationalize. Right. It's easier to rationalize. Oh, it must be that God is allowing because I prayed for this person. They didn't get healed. Well, that means that God is allowing it. No, there's something broken in the flow of what is God's plan or God's M.O. or God's kingdom or what was God's dominion, his order of doing things. Maybe there's something broken in the line that we have to be aligning ourselves to, which is the real reason why we're not seeing that miracle. Okay, so that's my <laughs> spiel. No, no, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. And and the reason why I wanted to come to some of the misconceptions about healing and about the he- the ministry of healing is because, you know, we have heard from a lot of people um, confessions about saying that they are healed and they were healed. But then on the other side, we've heard confessions about well, I feel this and I feel the other. And then we see, you know, either they don't get healed or they were getting there where they were recovering. Because we also know that Amen. recovery is a miracle. Absolutely. Recovery is a healing. And then it kind of just reversed itself because of what they spoke. So before I get to the last thing, this is sure. the second to last question. Can you talk to us about the 30 years that you've been studying healing, the importance of our words when it comes to our healing? <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's funny because I just read an article uh, from a preacher talking about that, you know, and um, something that I, uh, one of the things that I had addressed on um, on one of my podcasts about, you know, the, you know, some, some of the missing ingredients, right, of healing, you know, it's like, you know, it's funny because you, when you go to bake a cake, you know, you have all these, all of these ingredients and and you get this recipe that is very exact and it tells you you have to put a one and a half cups of flour and a quarter teaspoon of salt and one teaspoon of sugar it's like and to me it's kind of like yeah why can't you just eyeball it but if you eyeball it you'll find that it's not balanced and something is wrong either the cake doesn't rise or it's too soft in the middle or something something gets ruined and that's that's one of the things that um that's one of the things that that is so important that Jesus took out of his time to try to teach us. And he taught us through various different ways. I'll try to, I'll try to give you the, the, the three minute explanation. <laughs> Praise Lord. Amen. In Mark eleven twenty three. 23, well, actually in Mark eleven twenty two, he said, have faith in God. And actually the real, the true translation of that verse is have the faith of God. Whereas some people thought to, to uh, the translators thought that that was too impossible that they said it must have been a typo or something. We didn't get it right. So we, we're going to fix the Bible for you people. No, it says, have the faith of God. And he said, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he's saying will come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. You know, so the Bible, that's what Jesus taught. You know, if you could draw, if you doubt it in black ink, you can't doubt it in red ink. You know, Jesus said it. He said, you will have whatever you say. You know, he said, you got to, if whosoever will say to this mountain, you got to speak to that mountain. And, you know, that mountain could be anything that's blocking you, anything blocking away, which if healing, if there's a sickness that's blocking away the health, you got to speak to that mountain and you have to send it somewhere. They said, cast it to the sea. 
a lot of people, you know, they overlook certain things. And he said, say to this mountain, this mountain means you got to be specific. That thing, you got to say that thing, get out of here. You know, I call uh, whatever sickness out of my body in the name of Jesus. I'm cancer free. You know, I'm diabetes free. I'm, I'm free from all sickness in the name of Jesus. I command all those sicknesses to go into the pit of hell. Amen. Or to the deepest part of the ocean. Amen. And, and also the Bible has said that many times, many times, you know, he said, and um, Hebrews 11 also, he teaches on the hall, in the hall of faith, like the, instead of the hall of fame, the hall of faith, right? Where all these faith heroes and yeah. the, and one of the, the first faith hero, some people say, oh, um, oh, because the faith heroes, and he starts talking about Abraham and stuff. No, the first faith hero that he spoke of was himself, God himself. He said, it's for by faith, God framed the world, the world with his words. Okay, so he framed the world by faith with his words, his words, God's word. And, and oh, we go back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, I created heaven and earth, right? Then he said, and God said, let there be light. And light was, and he saw that it was good. So first he spoke it, then he saw it. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God, like dear children. He said, be like a child, but we don't want to be like children. We want to intellectualize everything. No, just be like a kid. I find that, you know, my daughter, you know, she imitates me on certain things. And I'm like, why are you imitating me? Don't be imitating me. You know, you know, be your own person. But but that's what kids do. They do what they see. And, and that's the way we're supposed to be with God. God, that's how God does everything. Before Jesus came to the earth, God spoke Jesus into the earth before he got here. Okay. And I could go on and on. And, and of course, Proverbs um, 18, 21 has a very, very powerful scripture. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So your words are super important, you know, and I, I think I have a podcast just dedicated to that, you know, but just, I mean, it's super important what you say. People say what they have, but God said you can have what you say, but we say what we have. No, God said you can have what you say, but then you just say what you have. Oh, but that's not being realistic. I'm supposed to say, oh, this is black, it's black. No, the way God works is if it's black and God wants it to be white, God says white and it turns white because that that's the power of God's word. You know, it it it, it will do whatever he commands it to do. Isaiah 55, 11 is another great scripture. He says, that, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will now return to me void. It's going to do it. And then uh, Mark 4 also says, you know, the seed was sown and the, the, the seed is the word of God. And every time that seed was sown, it produced. So we have to use our words like seeds. Amen. 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 So, ladies and gentlemen, the word believe is a verb and a verb Amen. shows action. So believe everything you just heard from the man of God. He's been studying healing 30 years. Amen. He didn't write none of this stuff. God wrote. He's reiterating it, putting a, a, a great exegesis to it. But I have believed for my healing. I have shown that action. God has healed me in the midst of services. I have laid hands on myself while we've had a service and I've gotten better. So take up this word that you received today. This verb, believe. The, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall be healed and they will cast out devils. So you can lay them on yourself. 
and you can cast out them devils. So, Pastor Ed, final thing I just wanna I just wanna ask of you. James five fifteen says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Wow, Amen. it'll save the sick, Amen. and the Lord shall raise them up. So, final thing here. I'm going to ask of you to pray the prayer of faith and release that to those who are hearing us today so that they can be raised up and they can believe and take that verb that is an action and do what the word of God says. So can you just pray right now, Pastor Ed, as we. um, Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Amen. So, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that anyone would have listened to this podcast and got all the way to the end. And to just go home the same or to or to just turn this off and just be like they're going to stay the same. No, I believe that every person that hears this is hearing this for the divine purpose of God for you to understand that God loves you, that sickness is a curse. Sickness does not come from God. God is a God of love. Amen. And everything that the enemy would want against our life, God provided an answer to it. He provided an answer to sin. Through his blood on the cross, he provided an answer to sickness through the stripes on Jesus' back. So we're going to pray right now. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for everybody that's listening. Father, Lord, every person you're directing to this podcast right now, Lord, that we we don't know them, Father, but you know them, Lord. You know where they're sitting, if they're sitting in their car, their job, Lord, just walking, jogging, doing what, whatever else, my God. But we just ask you in this sliver of time, Father, we just ask you to reach through this podcast right now and touch that person right now. Father, if they believe your word, Father, that they would take action, Lord, that they would take it upon themselves and say, I will believe your word, Father God, and they would believe what you said, Lord. We didn't make this up. We didn't write it. Lord, you said it in your word and you promised it to us, Lord, Father, because if it's a promise, then we're going to take it. We're going to believe it, Lord, and we're going to do like the Israelites, my God, and take the promised land and, and cross that river, my God, even though it's hard, Lord, Father, and even though the world says other things and even though my body might be telling me something else, but I know your word is telling me that I'm healed. Your word tells me that Jesus bore my sickness on the cross, Lord, and I believe that. That's what I believe. I don't believe what my body is telling me. And I just take it by faith right now. And you got to say right now, I receive my healing. I receive my healing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus right now, receive it. Believe it and let God do the work and hold on to your faith. Amen. So you just receive it, believe it. And we pray and we agree with you. In prayer, the Bible says, if two, of you, if two of you will agree concerning anything, I will do it. That's what Jesus said. We, He will do it. We agree with you. I don't know you. I don't know your name. But we agree with you right now that you are healed in the name of Jesus. Because he deserves all the glory. He's the one that paid the price for it. And he's the one that's going to do it. Not us. Hallelujah. Amen. So you believe that word. You grab that word. And you believe God. Believe God. Amen. And receive your healing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In Jesus' name. Pastor Ed, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate you taking out the time to come through and minister healing, teach us about healing. So, ladies and gentlemen, for Pastor Ed Guadalupe, I'm Chris Veniquez, and we are out of time on All Talks Alone.